Today's episode of the Black Flag Podcast is brought to you, as always, by Solero Commerce. You know the name, you know the drill. They've been with us since the very beginning, and they got some great new technology coming through. So if you want a small business that accepts debit or credit cards, you got to check them out. Contact Evan Orvath or get in touch with one of us, and we'll get you a free second opinion on your current merchant service provider. Brad Keselowski is going to be shown the Black Flag. It's the Black Flag Podcast. Every fucking week. Fuck, I hate my fucking job. Race analysis. Yeah, we're only girls pull hair, so. Maggie forgets that if they changed the rules and took the champion's provisional away, he wouldn't have been able to race the last two years, so. Uh... Occasional alcohol consumption. Uh, Jimmy Johnson is on pit road because I think he's the leader. And calling people on their shit. It refrains me from not beating the shit out of you right now because you ask me stupid questions. This week's Black Flag Podcast is now in session. Hey, we had some out we beat him so it's all good uh. all right boys and girls episode 98 of the black flag podcast about to drop here uh, as always i'm charlie sanborn that's at c sanborn iii on all things social media across the table from me is brad saucer at b sauce 96 together we are at black flag pod on all things social media that's a facebook account twitter instagram uh, most importantly, head on over to the Patreon app, look up Black Flag Podcast for all things BFP on there, uh, for exclusive content, uh, merchandise discounts, and uh, just all-around BFP fuckery and uh, being able to interact with you guys a lot easier there. So uh, that being said, we got a pretty decent little interview coming towards you. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Uh, it was part of our COVID week of uh, just blasting out interviews with people. So uh, before we get to that, though, we are fresh off a trip from Foxwoods Resort and Casino. Uh, for our second time ever, and we got super aggressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we we started like, with uh, at least seventy two trellies. There was a bottle of Pink Whitney, and there was a mini fridge full of Bud Lights. Um, now, now when when he says seventy two trulies, we literally filled the bathtub yeah. with ice and all of the trulies. This morning when we left. The bathtub was completely clear for everybody to take a shower. Well, not at the same time, but you get it. So it it was a time, from what I've been told. <laughs> the tr- the tr- <laughs> the the trulies ended up uh, at a jacuzzi. Yes, uh, and who I f- we feel awful for whoever had to pick up our mess there. Um, Basically, we after destroying some go karts at Monza. Yeah, we. I, I just I turned. Know. I just turned my head to put my my headset on, and I don't think my neck will ever be the same again. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that. Did we trespass to the jacuzzi? Yeah. Oh, we're gonna just go to the end of the night first. No, well, I did, is that technically trespassing what we did before we do um, get there? Um, we hopped the gate to get there, but we had, we booked a room at said place, so yeah. that was our residence for the night. That's fine. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we went to Monza before that. Yeah. So so we get to the hotel, whatever. We're having a little shindig. There's a bunch of beer and well seltzer beers and whatever flowing around. We're playing music. We have people literally who are, we just told them our hotel. Um, actually, <laughs> going backtracking a little bit, when we first showed up, like we're checking in, whatever, this guy's, uh, the guy's checking us in, small talking us, and he knows all, basically all the racers up here and whatever, and he uh, uh, checks us and gives us the keys, and, and we walk by with six cases of Trulies in our hand, and he goes, well, I know where to send security. And we're like... <laughs> Yeah, no, seriously. No, honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, book down, like, write down our number. Just make sure that they're and not busy later because they're, yeah. they're going to be. Yeah. Right. Um, and so we, we go up there and, and we told people where, what hotel we were at, right? And so people just kept coming in and we never really gave them our room number. They just heard the music <laughs> and the commotion that we were causing. Also, b- before people start yelling at us because we, we've been very open about having COVID, allegedly, um, th- this was our, our, our freedom from quarantine day. 
this was this was our treat yourself moment to uh you know stop being stuck in the house so we went to the 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 foxwoods that was very professional of you i don't yeah. think our listeners care no um, i'm just saying yeah yeah uh but yeah so we, we get in there and and we're all uh french kissing each other and licking doorknobs and whatever because yeah. we already had the coronavirus and we survived so um and whatever so we we stumble down to monza right so it's about 6 30 6 30 a bit like seven maybe and uh someone's like oh monza's booked right full so you know you guys aren't going to be able to race if you don't get down here so we load up the vehicles we all head over to monza we get our races they don't start till 10 it is now 6 30 or 7 um so we end up going to the food court where we had some over expensive pizza and uh you know, basically, so we, we caused a scene in the food court because yeah. I don't know, they had all the tables spread out, distanced and everything, right? And all the cleaning folk are going around and, and picking things up. And so we were walking through the food court with tables. We, we brought four tables together and we had our, our little last supper. Well, that's actually our first supper because we survived COVID. But um, we had a, 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 too many people. We had a tribe. Yeah. We had a tribe and just a, a rolling walking scene is what we were. Yeah. And it was... It was aggressive. Yeah. Just so, everything that we did was aggressive. So we get food, whatever. We, we uh, go back to the, we go into the casino. We, we play a little bit of roulette, get a couple extra drinks in us for, uh, you know, just our, our, to help our driving ability, of course. Obviously. Yeah. And um, it, it's now our race. The guy said to be there at 10 o'clock. Yeah. 10, no, our races were at 10. So I think he said to be there 20 oh, minutes yeah, before. 20 minutes early, yeah. So it is now 30 minutes of 10. Mm-hmm. It is 930. And I don't remember who it was. But someone goes, let's go back to the hotel and let's get some Trulies. I believe that was Borges, wasn't it? Probably. Yeah. It was either him or Reagan. Yeah. So what do we do? We get into the, get into the vehicle. We had our we had a DD. Mind, mind you, we were at the go-kart track. Yeah. We're getting ready to race in like 15 minutes. Yeah. The perfect thing about having kids that aren't allowed to drink is that you have designated drivers always handy. Uh, so then the hotel's also 8.8 miles away from Foxwoods or yeah. whatever. So we're good. So we get back there. We get some alcohols run back and we're gone 15 minutes get a couple extra trellies down down the chute and um we get out on the racetrack and uh we got scolded like oh, numerous times like pp slept wicked yeah a, a few times yeah. yeah no we we were spoken to like we were eight years old yeah by a guy who takes his job probably a little too seriously but it's fine mm-hmm. uh, his co-workers even said that we we, <laughs> we to be fair um, there was a bounty <laughs> on Trent Goodrow's head. Yep. Uh, if if someone got him to, to flip onto his melon, they were going to get $100 to take home uh, right over the casino. Uh, that didn't happen, but uh, not for a lack of trying by any means because there was some near-death instances uh, for everybody, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, I, first, the first race alone. I, I did a die at one point. I hit really, like, those go-karts are very low and flat and kind of heavy so that they stay on the ground all four <laughs> wheels were not on the ground when i hit it's, that's what i'm saying yeah it, yeah yeah it was it was awfully aggressive and uh we, so the first race right trent's obviously a hazard like the Dude. biggest hazard to ever hazard and so we're we're out on the track and, and I, I i think i passed him somehow and he was right on me right and so we're going <sighs> There's plenty of places to execute a to try to execute someone, right? Um, they, they, all you have to do is just not lift a couple times, like in a couple corners, and it's perfect. You punt them out of the way, you move on with your merry way. No, 
Trent, I turn, I keep turning around. Trent's on me, and I'm like, Trent's gonna hit me, right? We go, we go the whole circuit of the track, right? And you get to the one spot where you probably shouldn't give anyone a nudge, and here comes fucking Trent. So, so where we go, there's a hairpin turn, goes back up a hill. You go to the left, and then it's a hard, hard turn, and then you end up going downhill. It's a full speed turn. You you don't lift, you don't do nothing. Um, and Trent got inside of me, coming out of the hairpin, stayed right there, and I wasn't lifting. No, and. Trent wasn't lifting, no. and there was only room for one cart because you slide just far enough over that you almost hit the wall by yourself if you do it full speed. Well, especially when you have another human pushing you and you're still you're sliding to begin with. I hit the wall so fucking hard, <laughs> and and I that's the same one I hit. <laughs> and I, yeah, yeah, like and I was honestly like seeing red, like. I like I, I might have I've just been a ball. It was, it was someone put red in front of me and I'm just fucking going. I saw I saw the back of Trent's car and I'm like that is who I'm gonna murder. <laughs> so I'm I'm following him along and it's it's tough when you don't like I, I don't race currently. I race very periodically, but I'm pretty good at go karts. If you know what you're doing and you do it enough, you're pretty just good at go karts. My buddy, my buddy, my buddy Josh maybe has been go karting one time ever, and he is with the complete wrong group of individuals. <laughs> <laughs> and so he only went, I think a lap down one, uh, one lap down in the first race. Um, this, this is still the first race, right? So Trent tries to kill me. I'm going to kill Trent. Yeah. I'm going to murder him. And I am following Trent and we get to Josh and the same exact fucking turn <laughs> where you're going full speed. Right. I'm in my mind. I'm like, I'm fast and Josh will just go by him on the outside. Right. Right. So maybe this, this was actually my fault potentially but we're doing this the same exact turn you there's a hard right down the hill there's another hard right you go back up and you don't lift and it, you're on edge for sure so i passed josh or i oh i was clear with contact at least and we we're going down full speed and josh just decides that he's not going to turn and just stuffs <laughs> me full speed into the wall and then i'm like okay well trent's fast Right, Trent. Trent goes go karting way more than I do, and way weighs way less than I do. And I'm like, Josh is significantly slower than me. So now my target is Josh. Right. <laughs> so in the same exact turn, we're going down this fucking hill, and I did not lift. I put Josh head on into the wall, <laughs> and then the next thing I know, we're all parked on pit road. <laughs> I don't know what I did. <laughs> we we definitely we definitely were brought into pit road, and and like I, I can't describe it as anything more than just like a homicide, schoolgirl school scolding. That's yeah. what it was. But yeah, no, we all committed homicide. I think uh, at some point in the night because there was one time I'm coming down through that said turn where you're coming that right, you're going downhill, and if you don't do it just right by yourself, you're gonna hit hard anyway. Well, it's also a very blind corner. So I'm coming down that, and you are not going to stop if you don't see this, like, way ahead of time. And there was somebody, I don't know who it was, sitting the wrong way. <laughs> so I was like, I have two options here. I'm literally either going to spin myself out, which that's not an option. Why would you do that? Yeah, right. <laughs> what, do we need a yellow? <laughs> or literally kill this person. Uh, so I chose option B. And ended up spinning out anyway. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, they didn't like that. And I'm pretty sure I broke my go-kart. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, you'll have that. There is GoPro footage of, of said races, and we are going to get it uploaded at some point. Me, us, well, us and technology, and by us, I mean me with technology. Um, I have the footage. It's now downloaded onto my laptop, and I'll probably get to it in about three to four business months. So um, it'll be up at some point. My collarbones are swollen in black and blue. It looks like I had I have hickeys, but I don't. It's um, not as bad as last time, where you had literally like belt marks on you. Oh, I, I, I do. Oh, you yeah, do. I do. Yeah, I promise. <laughs> yeah, I, I see. Last time I hit once really hard, and it was just by Trent. This time I hit twice really hard, and it was by two different people. I remember Trent being around me once, and he for sure hit me. Yeah, so that all that all makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trent is. Uh, yeah, Trent. They, they let him drive cars. You understand? <laughs> that, like, yeah, we saw on the way to his house today. Yeah, he only lives fucking apparently an hour and a half from the foxwoods and it took us like four hours it felt like yeah yeah it was it was it was an aggressive night and then we ended up obviously at the casino where we all won big i won like 70 dollars, <laughs> <laughs> and i gambled it on the steelers tonight and they're down 35 to 10 so yeah. um that's big gone but it is what it is um yeah shout out to ben basowski yeah ben ben showed up uh had a had a hell of a time uh hudson speedway yeah we, we love ben we love hudson speedway we love all things that uh ben's a part of uh he he made the trek out there we had seen foster with us we had all we this uh, literally we were a traveling circus that that dude that yelled at us right so the the guy that takes his job too serious there was at one point right so we we hit shit a lot in the first couple races so we're now sitting on pit road and we just got our pp slapped and he, the, he he let like seven carts go, oh, yeah. and then I don't know if he knew like which ones were causing <laughs> were. the havoc. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know if they like they knew they just knew that we were all being hazards and they were yeah. just going to talk to all of us together. But they stopped whoever was in front of me. Was that you? No, I was behind you. I watched all this happen. I don't remember who it was. It might have been Trent. It was I don't know. It was it was some nuclear weapon, and this guy stops him right. Like let's let's a little bit of space go because we were doubling them up, and oh, I don't yeah. think they love that. <laughs> if no. I have to go back and like rethink the night, they probably weren't thrilled. But uh, so they they let a little space go. I have no indication that he's going to do that to me, right? I just saw six carts go before they, they stopped whoever's in front of me. So what do I do? I start going as you do when you're told to go out on the racetrack, and this guy puts his foot on my cart, turns around and goes, "Are you serious? I'll kick you out right now." What did I, sir? What did, you're the one. You're the one that just jumped on the front of my car. Like, what yeah. did I do? You're you're the pedestrian here. I yeah. don't understand. And I, don't I look up and understand. I see, and I like, I'm I'm already pissed. And fucking this guy just yelled at me for no reason. So then I saw Scene Foster was over there watching, and I just I drove it straight into the wall and just rode the wall the whole way down just to cause a scene. And I was hoping that I was going to get kicked out. Actually, <laughs> would have been a way better story. It's but. very petty of you. Yeah, oh, <laughs> there's one thing people know about me. I'm awfully petty. Um, but yeah, so we, we ended up at the casino, and then more importantly, we ended up back at the hotel where shit really got wild um so, so you're leaving out the uh, oh yeah brief little instance here where yeah uh charlie we, did one of the c's last actually two of oh them. <laughs> well yeah uh, uh so anyway i i was sitting there or we're, we're all standing there we're talking to some superstar that we met at, at the mall there and i was getting pretty sick of the conversation so i said all right guys i gotta go piss i'll be right back now i i went to run and reagan being reagan uh, went to throw like a fake football pass. So I was like, oh, okay, sure, I'll play along. So I go to catch the pass. Dropped right? it in a bucket in double coverage too. Yeah, like I, I thought I did good. I was, yeah, I well, yeah, stayed in bounds and everything. Hell of a throw. But you, I uh, mean, he kept running. I thought that, I don't know. Well, I, I had to pee. I didn't know where the end zone was. I, I had to really pee. Yeah. So, um, 
Anyway, uh, yeah, I was like, all right, guys, I'll be right back. I got to piss. In the amount of time it took me to literally run, because now I'm part of some fake football game, to the bathroom, whip my penis out, do the urines, and then leave the premises, everybody was gone. Everybody. Not a single person that I knew was within eyeshot anywhere. And I'm like, I don't think I was in there that long, but now I don't know where I am. And for those that don't know and for those that do know, I am one of the most directionally challenged people on the entire planet. There's a reason I I do circles on Saturdays because I just I don't really know how to get to places. Um, So now I have done Foxwoods once in my entire life. And now I am alone. And the Foxwoods is it's huge. I don't think people understand how massive this place is. And I know how to get back to the parking garage. That's all I needed. I needed the truck. If I have the truck, I can figure out where to go after that. Well, the one way I knew how to get back was blocked off by some guy who went to, like, security guard school and was all about his velvet rope and not letting anybody buy it. And he tells me, all right, yeah, you just got to go left, go to the Tanger outlets, and then it's it's quicker that way, actually. I'm like, that absolutely is not. That's like the complete opposite end of the building. And I go and do what he says, and that's all blocked off, too. Now, mind you, I am in, this was at the second or third floor. Could be. I don't Foxwoods. Yeah, I, it, it's not where I need to be, basically. So I have to do, like, seven laps around this building to try and find the parking garage. Now, mind you, I have now found myself into the middle of the mall area, which is not close to the parking garage. And I have now discovered a small family in the same predicament that I am. And we're all asking each other, how do you get back to the garage? And we're swapping stories. And I now had become part of a tribe trying to find the parking garage. So anyway, when I finally find the truck and I get back to the hotel, I am some cunted. Like, yeah, all of one of the C's. Can attest. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is how we got to Foxwoods, right? So Charlie drove down on the way from the hotel to Foxwoods. We all took, we packed everyone into different vehicles, right? So Charlie came with two humans. I went with three other humans. Charlie's vehicle was one of the vehicles that went to that made the trek, right? Well, Charlie's two humans that he went with had already disappeared and left for the night. So in my mind, I, I was like, Charlie has his own truck. He'll be good. So Charlie leaves. And again, I have no idea where Charlie went. He just kept running. Like I didn't know. No one tackled him, I guess. The the ref didn't blow the whistle. Yeah, no. So I'm just following Reagan at this point. And, and Reagan, so Reagan's Reagan been, lives at Fox. Reagan's been at Foxwoods more times than I have for sure by like quite a bit. So we walk over to the security guard, right? Gives us the whole same spiel. We literally like I, the only way I know to get. Where we were, I know how to leave from there, like you're that, saying. Yeah, that, I, and, and it's I, that way. It's I, the way that the dude said that you can't go. Yeah. I don't know if there was a COVID nest over there or something, I, I but we already had it. Yeah, it erupted like, in the hallway yeah, all, all yeah, of a yeah. sudden. They had yeah. an outbreak. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this guy, whatever, he tells us to go the other way. And this is when I realized that I don't think, well, I don't think Reagan actually knew what he was doing, but this guy's like, yeah, it's the same distance, same spiel. No, it's not. Not even close. We literally ended up like on... I don't know how many floors there are there. Is there four or something? Five, six, seven, seven hundred. It felt. Yeah, yeah. We ended up on all of them at yeah. one point or another. We did loops. I was doing parkour over like shrubbery. Yeah. Uh, was, I don't even know what we were doing. We were causing a scene. Is what we were doing. But we were. We had to have been on the walk for forty-five minutes. And there was numerous. I was like, "Where's Charlie? Like, did anyone hear from Charlie?" And everyone just kept walking. I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm just following the people that now, I came here." Now, with. mind you, when Bradley 
is asking these people if anybody has gotten a hold of me. I texted Reagan. I said, you fucks couldn't wait five seconds for me to piss. And all I got in return was a message saying, you're so fucked. So <laughs> that, added, that helps the situation. That added time. to the cuntiness. I don't know. I don't. So I don't know if that helps my side of the story at all. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. For me, it felt like it was significantly longer than than five minutes or five seconds or whatever you just said. It, like, honestly, I thought you were in there. I didn't know where you went. I, and you, I didn't hear you going to the bathroom until you came into the hotel and said that you were in the bathroom. <laughs> but so the the entrance into the hotel was um, it was great. So we were all <laughs> we're all sitting there and we're all getting boozed up like like you do. And. Yeah, we're so sitting it's there like, like I wasn't even there. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and, and like right before you walked in, I turned around to everyone. I'm like, it's going to be so electric when Charlie walks in. Charlie walks in. We all go nuts. We're cheering. There's kids screaming, <laughs> like babies fucking crying, whatever. And Charlie walks in and we've, we've made a pyramid that Charlie started actually <laughs> in front of the TV that is stacked up very hot like almost that's, 72 seltzer beer that's, cans high. that's the party trick every very, time you go you make a you make a beer tower very high is what you do very high and so it is stacked up very high charlie comes in we're all going nuts this kid hits the beer tower so hard and goes are you guys fucking serious <laughs> and like i leave for five fucking seconds and no one could fucking wait for me and like we're like, oh shit, okay, all right, whatever. Um, pff, uh, no one talked to dad. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Like, uh, I don't know what happened, but then so so we're we're all talking and still having a good time, and Charlie's in a very uh, not talkative mood, I would say, which isn't like me. I feel no, and in, so in he's very. Situations. You can tell he's very cunty. You can see the cunty in his eyes, yep. and so he's laying on the bed, whatever. And Reagan goes, "Let's go to the jacuzzi." Well, Reagan's made some bad decisions this this past twenty four hours. That was a fantastic decision right so the jacuzzi closed at like i don't know 10 probably a respectable time for a jacuzzi to close i think it's like eight or nine actually. we got back from the casino at like three or like three thirty. yeah 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 so reagan goes let's go to the casino so me him and ryan stumble our way down to the casino jump the fence trespassing maybe allegedly we jump sit down the, the jacuzzi not the oh casino. my god yeah sorry the, the jacuzzi yeah um and so we all start soaking and, <laughs> and I, 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 I heard this plan go into effect, and I had never been less interested in something in my entire life. Yeah. Until Bradley came up and, and sold me. Yeah, yeah. So we we start we dip we take a dip, and we we quickly realized because I didn't think the plan was going to work. I mean, Reagan's leading the charge, so I kind of just assumed which is should, wild. Yeah. So like, I thought that we were going to jump the fence. There was going to be like a dog or something. We're going to have to jump back over and go back home. So yeah. we're we're all stumbling down there. We we jump the fence. We're in the jacuzzi. Jacuzzi. Okay. Trying to fuck up the word Jack-a-Z. on purpose. Jackazy. We're in the fucking Jackazy. And we're there for 30 seconds, maybe. And I'm like, why didn't we bring any alcohol? So I'm like, oh, I'll go back up and get some alcohol, right? So we're trying to be. Mind you, it's like <laughs> 28 degrees outside, oh, too. Oh, maybe. So <laughs> maybe. <laughs> like, like completely soaked. I don't know if I had a t shirt on. I for sure didn't have shoes on. Just slopping, ringing, wet, running up to the. the and below freezing temperature. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, which is always what you're looking for. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, but it's funny because, you know, obviously we're not trying to cause a scene. We just might be. And so... It just kind of happens. So we jump over. I jump over the fence. I'm running down the sidewalk. It's literally like a quarter of a mile from where the Jaquazi is to the entrance that I'm trying to use that is the back entrance that is not near the staff that's not going to want us in the Jaquazi, right. probably. So I, I run by like three humans that are outside smoking cigabuts. And I, <laughs> they're just like... 
How you doing? I'm like, morning, dude, jacuzzi. <laughs> Fucking see the thing. Yeah. Come over there. Hang out with us for a bit. Um, luckily, they didn't. Those people didn't. So <laughs> <laughs> I, run up, I run up and I know Charlie's in a bad mood, right? So I open the door and I'm like, Charlie, I know, I know shit kind of hit the fan <laughs> a little bit earlier. And, and you might not be happy with me or probably Reagan. You're probably definitely not happy. I know you're not happy with Reagan, but Reagan has um, made a very good decision. Um, this well, you, you sold it as, you know, Reagan's kind of an idiot. <laughs> Reagan's never really made a good decision ever, even one time. And <laughs> this is uh, probably the best decision he's ever made. I was like, well, you've piqued my interest. Yes, yes. So I, I walk in. I grab a box of Trulies, a, gra- a box of Bud Lights. I go in and I warn the others that are, who are in my room. They had no interest whatsoever. Um, I grab, I literally, <laughs> this is this is the real kicker here. I grab a $100 bill and I stuff it in my shorts. Because in my mind, still, security has to know about this. Like, the, <laughs> they, it's a jacuzzi. There has to be a camera. There has to be, they, they definitely just saw me like tits out for yeah. the boys fucking running if through anything, the hotel they can swapping wash, wet they can look at your fucking water prints all the <laughs> way back from the room <laughs> yeah. leading to the jacuzzi yeah and so like and when i got off the state the top of the stairs there was like someone there was an employee of said hotel at the end of the hallway and i like a ghost just like ducked back down the stairs but so i, I grab a hundred dollar bill right so we, we go back down we all jump in the pool now there's like five of us in there and i literally sold it as i have a hundred dollars when security comes I am literally going to pay them $100 to fuck off. Yeah. So $100 in my pocket. Had shorts that zip. That's good because the $100 would have still been in the jacuzzi. You know, drunk drunk people think smart sometimes or whatever. It, so I, I, I'm all in at this point. Yes. I, I, I've, it is. I've it, was, it was worth your time. Yeah. Yeah. So I luck. Reagan did a good to, to wrap up the night, which is which is uh, until he did a die in the jacuzzi. Oh, he kept. Yeah. He kept trying to kill himself. Yeah. But so we're, we're sitting there, right? And this this Aloha looking bro walks by. He he. I wouldn't poke him in the chest and call him a pussy. No, huge, large human, big fella, huge, big fella, and a lot so, of hair, right? On his yeah, head area, and and, and um, it wasn't it wasn't Brad. It was Bradford at the time. Was like I thought it was security, so I, I just saw a silhouette walk by, and I turned around. I was, I was like, I'll pay a hundred dollars to fuck off. And then he comes back to the fence, and I'm like, oh no, what did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, like what did I fucking steal his surfboard or something? Yeah. And so he comes back, and he he goes, oh, I heard that. Like I'm gonna like I'm gonna go get my girl or whatever and we'll be down and i'm like am i fighting your girl like that's weird i can't do that like it's it's severely <laughs> but you illegal. thought he was a security guard i thought he was a security guard yeah, yeah. so he he goes upstairs he grabs not only his girlfriend but also his other friend um boyfriend maybe could be yeah they might a, just do three th- it was three an interesting things. situation those yeah. those three so they get down to, to the said jacuzzi area right and so I, I'm uh, sitting in the corner. We all have our like respective. We, we all have corners, a corner. Right? We all have a corner. And this this broad walks up to the the fence. She's like, "Hey, you you want to let us in?" I'm like, "Just hop the fence." She's like, "No, just let us in through the pool." So I get up, mind you, it's below freezing temperatures, and I let these strangers in through the poolside. And then all of a sudden, there's three naked strangers in the jacuzzi with us. Yeah. So this is this is where the night really really uh, <laughs> took off. I would say. <laughs> Uh, is, so there's now there's we started with five males in the jacuzzi right yes. uh, security guard that wasn't security guard walks by I tell him to fuck off he brings in I guess brings other people fucks back I don't yeah. know he whatever so he comes fucks back on, fu- he, fu- he fucks on and uh, <laughs> that's uh, yeah that's what I was trying to get to I would have got there eventually for sure so they all come over and they're all jacuzzi bound and as male male specimens do they take their shirts off they jump in with shorts on or whatever tarps off for the boys tarps off and now there is seven male counterparts or whatever in 
the fucking Jaquazi, right? So we Chomping turn around. Up. We turn around, and this girlfriend of the security guy that I told to fuck off, and he fucked on, is ass naked, <laughs> and jumps into the fucking Jaquazi with us. Yes. Yeah, we we all got very very acquainted very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know what like, it was. My life's a movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I don't know how to explain. Like, it was just so wild. I wish we had, a, like, a, a television series, honestly. Like, yeah. can you imagine if cameras were just watching? I, I, we need to get glasses that just have the camera right there, like, so you can videotape this shit. Because, like, that, it was honestly the most wild scene I've ever seen in my entire life, right? So we now have, like, nine people yeah. in a jacuzzi the size of maybe a poker table. Yeah, and this and, and not only is <clears throat> this this lady, naked woman... Pretty good looking um, so husband or wife or boyfriend or th- they had a three way or whatever. Yeah. Not only is he in there, but she like so he's in there. Obviously, kind of awkward. She's like swimming back and forth and like all over all of us. And, and it's except for me, which is actually kind of <laughs> fucking rude. Now that I think about it, she didn't even. I don't even know her name. I never talked to her. I, th- I think it was Marissa. She was all over you, and she was she was all over Reagan for like way too long to the point where Reagan tried to kiss her on the way out of the pool. Yeah, in front of in front of her husband, yeah, or boyfriend or whatever. I he think was. he was into it yeah. though, so they might have they might have a four way now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't. I, it was a, it was a wild night, and it's like five in the morning, and now our goal is to be in the trespass jacuzzi until sun, sun up. Yeah, and and we accomplished that. Yeah, and yeah. I I. <laughs> finally broke at about 7 seven fifteen in the morning yeah we, this morning we were in, sunday we, morning we were in the jacuzzi God's at dead. 3 30 we on i took multiple trips up and came back down we had strangers join we had naked women in there they left probably about 10 minutes 15 minutes before we did and then we all were just looking at each other like what are we doing sun's like, like up now like it's now seven it's after yeah, seven it's breakfast time. so yeah <laughs> so we get up we stumble our way through the pool area and walk i don't know how we didn't see another human it was seven in the morning i feel like that's for like normal respectable human beings that's when people start to human and stuff so we walk our way back up there and i don't remember going to sleep but i woke up at eleven fifty-five, and checkout was 12 yo yeah i i woke up at about eleven forty-five, and i i realized that there was no way that we were all gonna get up get dressed and get ready by checkout time and we did we nailed it somehow i also um, made it very clear, uh, due to my <laughs> cuntiness, uh, that if anybody touched my bed, uh, that there was going to be an, an issue. Yeah. And I, I, I go to the room and I beat everybody there by like maybe three minutes. And there's a human in my brand new, clean, comfortable well, hotel bed. Clean. That is now, uh, engulfed in a human. <laughs> and his entire bodily contents. He did. He did there's, a front potty. He did a top, <laughs> top potty. <laughs> he did a top potty all over the bed, <laughs> all over the side of the bed, all over the floor, all over the chair, like the weird chair that nobody sits <laughs> in. Oh. That was also covered in 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 caca. <laughs> and, and I'm like. What happened? <laughs> so now, not only do you have a scene of so, our seltzer pyramid is all over their floor. Oh, I am not done though, <laughs> because said person was gonna sleep on the floor, so he took the blankets off of Reagan's bed. 
I was okay with that decision. <laughs> yeah. So he had already thrown up once on the floor all over himself and the floor and Reagan's sheets. So that made me a little happy. <laughs> and then we go do jacuzzi things, jacuzzi, jacuzzi things. Makes you happy. Yeah. And then we come back up and I I, I now know that there's only, like I, I don't math oftenly or goodly, but when there's two beds and one set of sheets is already fucked, that leaves one set of sheets that is not fucked. Yeah. Right? Yep. Did I did I co- mathly correct there? Could uh, you could have. You, lo- you lost me at, at good goodly. And, one of, one of the goodlies. And and from there, uh this is now also covered in uh, a person with vomit. Yep. Yep. So so now now there's like 11 people for this hotel room uh and no bedding because one person literally <laughs> did like uh, like like you know how you ever seen the mask with Jim Carrey? Uh, yes. How he, he can like spin his head around? Yeah. I'm pretty sure this person did that with just the spigot running the whole time, <laughs> just like like a literally like a sprinkler of vomit all over the hotel room. And I'm like, pal, like, what are you doing? <laughs> so I I take what I I'm pretty confident was a clean blanket, and uh, I I rip it off of him, and I don't care how cold he gets, mm-hmm. and I I just buried my face in the other bed. <laughs> So now Reagan has no no place to sleep. So he goes and cuddles the puddle of vomit and <laughs> and, and and the person of vomit. The kid had a and, race at Monza at like seven thirty. We left the Jacquazzi at fucking the Jacuzzi at seven fifteen. Yeah. I don't think he made his race. No, no. <laughs> and, and and so I bury my face. Mind you, it's like seven thirty in the morning now. Checkouts at twelve. I'm like, I can get a couple hours of sleep. That's all I need, right? I wake up to what I thought was a bed of myself. You know, I'm starfished. I'm I'm fucking stretching out. I'm comfortable. I wake up and I almost shit my <laughs> pants because Ryan Borges is in the fetal position at the foot of my bed and apparently had been there since about the same time I was. Like a fucking canine. So that caught me off guard. Yeah. For sure. There was just another little human on the – the, it was – we – your plan was to to sleep with another human. You you so you rented your room out. You and Reagan both. Fucking I think we made money. Made money yeah. on your fucking hotel room, which is <laughs> absurd. Trent still owes me money because Trent cuddled. I cuddled Trent. I think Trent which also is tried great. to kill you. Yeah, so he owes you double. I think. Yeah, exactly. That's how that works. So, but so I get into my hotel room. Right, Trent is very. Uh, how how do I put this? He's very um, conveniently for me and respectably. On one side of the bed. Yes. And I have now three quarters of a bed, which is perfect. And so, you know, I lay down, fall asleep immediately, wake up, and and uh, pal Josh had to get up and go to work. Uh, kudos to him because I think he went to bed at like 4, 3.34. I uh, had to be to work at 7. So that's, and it's not like an hour drive. I don't know if he slept ever. Um, probably not with some fucking drunk hooligan trying to come in and grab $100 and you know, telling everyone the Jaquazzi. I think I took time, a but... shower in your room too now <clears throat> I'm thinking about it. You could have. I have no idea because so I, I woke up and Trent was like designing <laughs> actually, that, race cars. And actually, I, that did happen. I forgot about this. Yeah. I went up and I, I left like a couple minutes before everybody else from the j- jacuzzi. And I go into the room and I take a shower. And I, I walk out bare ass <laughs> to realize that Josh and Trent <laughs> are the ones sleeping. And I realize this is not my room. <laughs> I forgot all about that. And then I left and I went into my room and I went to bed. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> Can you imagine if that when was just like happen? when I left the jacuzzi? Oh, so I was in there too. That's how because I I took a shower before I went to bed. I don't know what to tell you, pal. Jesus, 
did we shower together? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I was just thrilled that I was like I was Episode one of the only ninety eight. Did we shower together? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, like the. I don't. I just. I'm just thrilled with myself that I didn't blow a motor. Like I'm. I so, didn't either. I am. Should have. Shocked. Yeah. You. You were in the bathroom trying to blow a motor numerous yeah. times. Uh, yeah. I, I, I. When we woke up and fucking Trent bright eyed and bushy tailed because he fucking he slept all night. Yeah. Slept all night. <laughs> didn't drink. Won money at the casino. He's thrilled. We get to the casino. Yeah, Seventeen and he's, years old. Wins money at the casino. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, There's no rules. Yeah, that's fine. He and yeah. he's like, "Are we still going to Panda Express?" You had me really excited for that. And I'm like, "I would love nothing more than Panda Express right now." Oh. And oh, dude, was it? It was worth. Like honestly, I felt like shit. I I like my I, my whole my whole like uh, hangover experience for the most part. Usually, as I wake up, I'm like, "Wow, I feel great. I feel terrific." Like I don't know why I didn't throw up last night because the nights like we just had, it started take years off your life. I probably had twenty Trulies. I probably had yeah. three or four to five Bud Lights. And then not only that, I had seven or eight mixed drinks at the fucking Casino. And in between all said seltzer beers, that, that which is, is exactly what you're looking for. And like the nights like those usually are the nights that you lay your head down or I lay my head down in bed and the, immediately the world starts spinning. And I was just thrilled to wake up and see Trent's face and I wasn't in my own puddle of fucking vomit like said other people. Yeah. But it was what it, it was what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, uh, we just need a camera. On also, the, so this is so we that wraps up the whole experience of the Foxwoods Monza trip. But the the street stock bash or whatever we were supposed to go down to down at Dylan. It seemed like it was okay that we weren't. It there. started at like one or two. Yeah, it is still going on. It is ten thirty at night. Wasn't it only two races? It's like three or four or even five races. But the, the big main event is a $2,500 to win street stock race in which everyone destroyed their street stock that costs significantly more than $2,500. So um, I don't know why my, it was my, such a big deal. My favorite but was... But I would have loved to be there. My favorite was the um, the heat races that we watched where people were wrecking each other. Oh, my while, God. While already in transfer spots. Dan Collins... <laughs> Dan Collins like, video. They're taking three. They're taking they're taking the top three, right? <clears throat> the front the top two are single or double file side by side. The guy in third just well actually, so the guy in third basically goes low and the, the two leaders door each other. So now we're three wide going down the front stretch. The the top two hit each other into the wall and then they destroy all their cars on the inside wall. They were all three in a transfer spot. There was no one that was really even in their own zip code. Like I don't know what was going on there. Um we watched a couple of the B mains. We were at Trent's house for quite a while and uh, thank them for the hospitality. We were able to watch a little bit of the race. We watched uh, a little bit of the mini stock race. Cody LeBlanc, uh, at least from what we watched, dick stumped the field because we left and he was leading. Had, um, a, had a BFP sticker on the car. Yeah, absolutely. First BFP win of 2021. Yeah, in South Carolina, which is weird, but yeah, yeah, good for us. Yeah, good, good for Cody. Well, good for him, but well, yeah, not good for us. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. So shout out to Cody. Uh, it's cool to see him travel around and you know. Yeah, win, win all these big events. He won that he race suck down in does, by any means. Was like Georgia or something. I don't know. He travels a lot. Yeah, he's racing. I think he's racing in South Carolina in a couple weeks too. Told me that. So yeah, mm-hmm. that BFP sticker is getting around. Love to see it. But uh, I'm ready to go to bed. Yeah. No. I. I, I know. <coughs> COVID yeah, allegedly. No. We uh we took years off our life again. I think. Oh, God. And um, one of these days we're gonna we're gonna not do that, but. We'll probably are, die before. Are we though? 
Oh no! Because I feel like even if we like if, if we were to go into a weekend such as this with n- absolutely zero intentions of doing what we did, it still happens. Yeah, it just it happens. Yeah. Like we don't ever plan on it, but it just. It, I'm very de- degeneracy happens. I like to do nothing a lot, <clears throat> and I tried to go. I tried to be sober for a couple weeks, like last year one time. I was like, oh, I'll go a couple, two, three weeks, maybe a month, uh, just just to show that I can do it. And I think 48 hours later, someone was like, hey, um, we're doing a shop party if you want to come hang out. And I wasn't. I was like, oh, I'll just show up and, I don't know, get high instead. Nope. 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 <laughs> nope. Ended up drinking. Um, and I, I really haven't tried it since. Um, the good thing, I, I like to hang our, we like to hang our hat on uh, the fact that we don't drink during the week. No, not really. We're... Well, other than COVID. Yeah. Well, we, okay. yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, uh, we, um. We can't count this week. We we DoorDash Trulies every single night. Yeah. Um. We door. Yeah. We DoorDash Trulies. Yes. Every night. We had the CDC director bring us Trulies. Yeah, Janet Sunday. Mills actually dropped them off herself. Yeah, That's we crushed true. at least a lot. Two twelve packs each night. Yeah, something like that. So that's like. 14, which is wild to me packs. because I was which is a hundred stupid, stupid, stupid drunk off like. 11 truly oh so i don't know if it's like a symptom of covid but i had no appetite like i wasn't i don't i, I still had my smell still had my taste i just didn't feel like eating like all week so i literally one day i i think i had a banana and i had 12 trulies that was my food intake for the day and i was drunk drunk for like no reason like <laughs> i'm like oh, no, there was a reason well, i was yeah. like i was like why like why am i this intoxicated right now and then i wake up and i'm being protested on i racing and apparently i caused the scene and i mean i laid down that was one of the i laid down and i had swedish chick it yeah was, it's a whole scene probably yeah i mean it fucking could be it was bradford though yeah it wasn't me yeah bradford and charles not not charlie and brad yep so all right that being said that's our, our recap from foxwoods uh, we do have on tap for you coming up right now uh, one hell of an interview that we sat down and had with Andy Sice earlier this week. Um, this is one that you're definitely going to want to listen to. It's a, it's a pretty cool story. Uh, a guy that basically just works his balls off to just go to the racetrack. Doesn't matter what type of type of race car, what type of racetrack, doesn't matter. He just wants to be a part of it no matter what. Um, this is a guy who's won uh, the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour Southern Championship twice. Uh, back to back and all before the age of 30 so uh pretty wild wild story so just sit back relax and uh listen to this interview with andy size all right boys and girls so uh as we kind of touched to uh, a little bit before here on the uh, other end of this zoom call here we have someone who uh is from our general area here hampstead new hampshire originally uh we've got a guy who's raced not only in the nascar cup series but also uh uh, other various forms of the top tiers of motorsports here. Also someone who has won back-to-back NASCAR Wheel and Southern Modified Tour Championships before the age of 30, uh, which is pretty wild. Uh, that, that person on the other end of the Zoom call here, that's Andy Sice. What's up, man? Just living the dream. Excited to talk to you guys. Yeah, for sure, man. So I, I think, you know, one of the biggest things that we like to do on this show uh, especially for people from around the general area that we're at. I mean, we're from Maine. You're originally from New Hampshire, uh, and uh, you you find your way down south there. But um, I, I just want to dive right into it, man. You know, you are Andy Sice. You're one of the local boys done good, if you want to say that. But uh, how do you how do you end up with a wheel in your hand? That's what I like to ask first off, man. How do how do you end up in a race car? Uh, basically, just raised by race fans. Uh, my dad was definitely a gearhead. 
of many different kinds. Uh, he, he raced drag race snowmobiles on the ice mostly. And that actually kind of brought him to where his business was when he started it, it was for high performance, two strokes, and then, and then turned into the boat business. But he was racing and then he was a race fan. And as long as I can remember, uh, you know, going to work with him on Saturday mornings to Rockingham boat, everybody that came in was talking about going to star speedway and, you know, home of the super modifieds. And, you know, you go, you're going right. Everybody's going. And like, it seemed like everybody that stopped by the boat shop Saturday morning was going, we went every week, but they still stopped by to make sure everybody was going. And, um, I thought it was really neat. My dad knew a lot of the super modified guys cause he had worked at Middlesex performance, uh, that owned, you know, Bentley Warren's cars and, uh, Eddie West and Doug Hebron and, and so many of those guys that kind of turned into the Dunnigan team. And after the races, you know, I, I was young. I couldn't go in the pits, but I could walk through the pits after the races. And the fact that, you know, my dad knew these people that were the stars of the show was, was pretty neat. Um, and, you know, we, we came from a family where, okay, we're race fans. We're watching races on Sundays and you know, how, how do I get involved in this? And I remember my dad getting us a go-kart and it was something that had a blown motor that he fixed. And your next thing we're, we're terrorizing the neighborhood. And, uh, you know, he, he always made sure that we had what we, you know, what we dreamed of, what we wanted. And he was the kind of guy that would go out and, and, get the stuff that people were throwing away and make it work. And, you know, especially while he was trying to build his business, things were, you know, pretty tough at times. And as business got a little bit better, I remember going and watching go-kart race and it was like, you know, wow, dad, this is, this is stuff like kids my age are doing. Like, I didn't even know this went on and it was pretty neat. We, we got our first go-kart and, uh, we raced at Sugar Hill Speedway up in Ware, New Hampshire. And, uh, you know, it was pretty competitive up in those days. And um, it, it worked well. It took me a long time to win. It took me four years to win a go-kart race. And my parents actually sat me down. I guess I was like 14 years old then because I started when I was 10. And they said, okay, we're, we're going to get you a good motor. We're going to get you this good chassis that we think because we were kind of always had used stuff. And it was funny. They said, if, if it doesn't, pan out if you don't really have success still uh you know you can still race but this isn't something we're going to be putting money into you know you can do it when you get a, a part-time job and I was you know helping out at the boat shop as much as I can and mowing lawns in the neighborhood and I went out and won a bunch of races that year and then the next year we won like half the races we went into and, and three championships and it was kind of funny that they joke around every once in a while looking back to like man if we just told you that one year sooner we would have saved so much money and um but that was it it was kind of uh we were off to the races at that point um it was the middle of the 2000s apparently everybody needed a boat life was good you know and that had a lot to do with kind of helping me out in reality like i was very blessed and fortunate to be in a family where my dad was not only hands-on but you know was looking to go do something we could use the boat shop and and stuff like that uh but probably the whole story of my life to this point is the right place at the right time and um we bought ourselves a, a 350 super modified and people thought we were crazy making that jump from go-kart to that and i won in my fourth start 
and it happened to be when the past series was there, past super late models and a guy by the name of Clinton Teague that owned super late models had a car there. And, you know, from, okay, we won, we were from the same area. He wanted to build a late model for the next year. So we went and built a late model with him and it was just being, you know, having that good run at the right place at the right time. Uh, went to Oktoberfest later that year. And, you know, I was the kid that had to be the first person in the pits and Lee Oktoberfest, you know, you're there five hours before you can even fire a motor because you can't do it till noon. And I'm just sitting on my, the tire of my super modified and Gary Cassell is there and there wasn't a full field of modifieds. And, um, he said, Oh, I'll bring my modified tomorrow and you can start last if you buy two tires and you know, you can run that race. And, I ran really well in the race. I think it was because I was so scared. I was driving this big, bad modified with all this power at this real track that was real abrasive that um, I made a late race run. And I think I was going for third and I got chopped by a guy We had, going through the infield and, and finishing 10th. But it was just one of those things like wasn't supposed to happen. Like a 16 year old kid wasn't supposed to hop into a modified and, you know, drive up into the top five at one of the, the tougher tracks for modifieds. And that thing just led to another, we, we were going to go to new Smyrna with Gary Costella. Um, he ended up not being able to go. We, we bought his car. We went, I went and destroyed that thing every night at new Smyrna. <laughs> and there is a crazy guy by the name of Jerry Morello that was just like, wow, if this guy won't give up. I need to have him in my car. And the next thing you know, I'm driving his modified that year. So, I mean, in a few short months, like big things were happening. Um, and you guys can interrupt me at any time. Oh, no, you're doing great. Big no, long spiel. <laughs> but um, just, you know, life was good. And I, I, the next year I had the late model ride and the modified ride. And we ran our 350 a couple times at Lee because Star didn't open on time that year. And, um, it was just, it was a dream come true. I mean, like, it was wild how things got going really quick. And I was really lucky that I had the opportunities and, and the right people. Um, we went back to New Smyrna with Jerry Morello. We won the New Smyrna Championship for Speed Weeks, which I was 18 at the time, won the Tour, tour Championship. And one really cool stat from then was this was, like, right before – you know, you had to be 15 years old to start your late model career. But at the time I was the second youngest new Smyrna champion to Mark Martin. So that was like, that was really cool. Um, life was good. And then <clears throat> Jerry had some troubles with the law <laughs> and all of a sudden, like my, my big ride that this was great and stuff was like, okay, swept right out the rug pulled right out under my feet and the economy was starting to get bad so personally we really didn't have the money at the boat shop to go racing um jerry was gonna sell the car it was kept at our house but he owned everything he's gonna sell the car we had two motors um i wasn't driving the late model anymore kind of focusing on modifieds and to keep it going we used a home equity loan that my brother had open to buy the modified and motors from Jerry so he could uh, pay for some lawyers <laughs> and we were back racing again. 
uh, it was it was race to race. Things weren't all that great, and then you know it's it's kind of one of those things you're like, okay, well, you know, this was a, an amazing ride, and you know, I'll just have to work on boats again. And um, the next season started, we didn't really have a lot of money. We destroyed the car the last race. Uh, some friends of mine and I rebuilt our own front clip because we destroyed the car. My dad said, well, if we bring it to Northeast race cars who were doing our clip work at the time, it'd probably be like two grand for them to fix it. Because if you can figure out how to do it, you know, we'll go to this race in Nashville and Nashville, he wanted to go there and not Thompson to the icebreaker and not to the Caraway Southern race, because basically we were racing against guys with, you know, notebooks, six inches thick on those tracks but there hadn't been a modified race in Nashville in 30 years. So we went down there uh, with our own front clip and all this stuff, and we ended up winning the race. So that was good, obviously, back in business. But I met the Riggs family, who owned Junior Miller's championship cars, um, and, and that led to a ride with them, which was huge. Uh, I almost screwed that up because – we were in talks and I destroyed my car again, but this time I did it like firewall deep real bad. Got to replace the halo. And a man by the name of Lyle Patterson and his wife, Kathy, who supported me through my racing career, bought me a car and we went out and uh, we didn't even have time to paint this thing. We went to Lee pitted 17 times during Oktoberfest and ended up winning the race. Like just nailed it with 15 to go. We didn't even have the hood on. It was like a big deal. Um, so they kept me in racing when I wouldn't have been racing without them. So when Riggs offered me the ride, I said no. And it was funny. They were walking around PRI, and um, Bob Dillner from, from Speed 51 at the time was, was doing uh, our website. And he ran into the rig and said, oh, you should put – you know, Andy in the car, they said, we offered and he turned it down and they told him why. Well, rather than even call me, they called Lyle Patterson and told him, you know, do you know that we offered Andy the ride and this or that? So Lyle Patterson called me and fired me. And he <laughs> said, uh, he goes, you know, anybody that would turn down that ride doesn't take racing seriously. He goes, and I don't want any driver in my car that doesn't take racing seriously. He goes, so you're fired. You don't have a ride. And if I were you, I'd call anybody that's looking for a driver. Maybe that rigs bunch. <laughs> so they, they were pretty big in my racing career. And, and they were the kind of people, you know, you get sponsors and you get people that help you that want to be part of the show, right? Like they want to stand in victory lane. They want their name there. They were the kind of people, they were more like they really wanted to see me succeed. They like as close to a parent as, as could be, they, they did a lot for me. So that meant a lot to me. And that was pretty cool. And then meeting the Riggs family was just a whole nother, a bunch of just amazing things. And I drove for them for a year. It was a 10 race schedule. They came off a championship season, won a bunch of races. And the very first race I qualified DFL, had to take a provisional to get in the race. I'm like, all right, so I'm fired. This is over. Like, this isn't going to work <laughs> that was, out. That was quick, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
they their driver junior miller just liked the tightest race car in the world i remember in practice going um this thing won't turn and they go oh it's tight i said no like something's broken like this thing <laughs> won't turn and i i to this day like i just like there's a shock bound up the, the racks broke i don't know and he just liked a race car that tight and uh we took the provisional ended up getting the 10th by the finish and you know things got better through the year but it went all the way to the last race and i hadn't won and it was basically like uh hey you know after this race probably just take your stuff with you out of the trailer make sure you don't have to make any trips down here and uh we ended up making a spindle change and went out and like lapped up to third like just like needed to happen happen and that's that was kind of solidified my deal there um drove for them for a few years until the unexpected passing of of jeff riggs one of the owners and then got hooked up with eddie harvey lived in new hampshire driving back and forth um and decided to move down here and drove for eddie we won the two championships kind of when i when i got down here could be closer with the guys in the shop took it a little more serious and kind of stepped it up and it's kind of funny just like again right place right time uh our motors were being built at the Raymock shop man by the name of brian doza rented off them and you know needed some work done on a modified i went and worked on his modified well he wanted to go to daytona with an arca car and i said well let's do it and he's like oh what do you mean i'm like it's just a race car let's let's just go get one we went and got one, went to Daytona, you know, started testing. I started going with him and then he got a second car. I went to Daytona with his second car and didn't get in the race, um, which was obviously humbling experience. That's back when they'd send 15 cars home. But the people that qualified right next to us was uh, the Our Motorsports bunch and when we went to Daytona with the second car, it was, it was basically me and my dad and like two other guys. We went down a tag trailer. You, you know, I, I hate to say it, but it's like one of those deals, like it would have been an absolute prayer to get in. We didn't have the motor we needed and the stuff, but next to us was the Hour Motorsports deal. And Chris, Chris Hour was doing things right. How he hired help, leased every top notch thing he could. Well, they didn't get in either. And we kind of talked, you know, for a little while and um, he had that car. And it was, I really worked on my car through the turns. And it sounds silly, but like Daytona, everybody's like, oh, it's, it's, it's all about just straight line racing. And you barely turn the steering wheel. So, you know, you just worry about the arrow and, and the going through the wind. But you can't have it bind up in the turn. So I didn't have the money to put in the motor. I didn't really know much about massaging on the bodies at that point. So I did what any short tracker would do. And I just worked on the chassis and I watched the tack through the turns and, you know, you're just wide open, hoping it doesn't dip down much RPM. Well, Chris hours car would actually pull me about half a car length. His, his was better. So the following year I had a truck series ride, an Arca ride and a modified ride at new Smyrna for speed weeks. Like it was going to be, amazing and one by one they all fell apart and i kind of went with well you know 
I, I wanted to go to Daytona. I wanted to redeem myself. I wanted to race Daytona. You know, I went, but I didn't get in. So I called Chris Hour to buy the car because he was selling everything. And by the end of the conversation, uh, he was going to order a motor and we were going racing. And it was a pretty neat deal. We, we got the car together. We went to Talladega. Uh, we got the motor three days before Talladega. It was an LS block. The motor mounts were different than the SB2 that was in it. Plumbing for fuel injection, on and on and on. We get there and just like, okay, we're, we're drained. When we practice 10th, you know, okay, maybe that was a fluke. Qualified 10th, like, all right, this is cool. And I was actually running third on the outside, leading the outside lane. And we came to pit road, my brake rotors failed, which long story short, there were tiny little road rotors. They put on to try their last ditch effort to qualify at Daytona when they didn't get in. And I didn't, I didn't have the experience to kind of identify it at the time that they, they basically, they couldn't take any heat. So when I hit the brake pedal coming to pit road, they exploded. It sounded like a bomb went off inside the car. It went through the crush panels and everything. Um, but that was kind of the start of getting serious about the stock car program and the ARCA racing. You know, I, I raced with Chris Hour for a few years at a shop at my house and started to learn about the aerodynamics and massaging on the car. And, you know, our, our super speedway program, kind of spoke for itself over the last four years. I never went to Daytona and qualified worse than the year before, including this year, this past year, we qualified second right on the front row. So that was pretty neat to kind of turn that around. And, you know, I got a few top tens at, at Daytona, which is important to me. And then the second at Talladega. So our, our speedway program, we, we really got right. And that's where he wanted to race. So that's where we did the majority of our racing and, um, you know, we started getting noticed and started selling some rides and sponsorship and had a really good thing going. And then he wanted to go Xfinity racing this year. And, uh, well, I should back up personally. I mean, I got to do the cup race last year and not to. Yeah. Tell us about that. how does that come apart? Because that had to have been cool being from New Hampshire to finally, you know, you know, we kind of talked about it before on the show where like, uh, Loudon itself or New Hampshire Motor Speedway, it's like it's our little regional Daytona. You know, that's the that's the the mecca for us New Englanders here. So that had to have been pretty cool to wheel a cup car around there with the uh, the best of the best. It it really was like, you know, there, I'm very fortunate to say, like, I, I joke around that I, I don't know what the greatest day of my life was because I've been very lucky to have a lot of great days, but that was the dream come true. I mean, that's that was the little kid in me getting to do what I wanted to do. What, what made me work so late and all that stuff was that was the dream. But honestly, I never thought it would happen. It was just the dream. Yeah. The, this is why I'm doing it. I want, I want to go cup racing, especially at home. You know, uh, I was a little kid at Loudon that I would go up when the modifieds would run friend of the family would take us and I'd run up to the fence past that white line. They didn't want you to cross and literally climbed the fence when the modifieds ran by security guard come by, ripped me off the fence, the whole deal. Like I'd make a game of it all day. <laughs> and, you know, so the first time I got to go there as a driver in a modified was special. And the last time I got to go there in the modified as a driver was special. It, every, like you said, I mean, that is every time you go in there is cool. So with the ARCA thing, Rick Ware called me and he wanted to put his son in a car and he wanted to swap 
a, a cup ride for an ARCA race. And I said, well, here's the problem. I mean, the ARCA racing is expensive, right? Like there's no two ways around it and to do it right. I mean, we could do it. I've gone to Talladega before with Brian Doza when I drove and it cost me $2,500 for the weekend. But that was me, my dad, two guys. So we had a spotter and my dad and the other guy, Todd Cooper, in the pit to do the fuel, gas and go. We didn't even put tires on it. We didn't have money for tires. We didn't have people to do it. So, I mean, it's possible, but that's not what Rick wanted to do. He wanted to do the full deal, and I didn't have the money to do it. Chris Auer didn't, you know, want to basically shell out a full race funding for Rick Ware's son and then me get a cup ride out of it. So, it was a little flash in the pan, but, you know, being down here and, and, and having the success I've had, I've had those opportunities or offers, I should say. And I just got to the point I'd tell people like, you, you've got the wrong phone number. Like I don't have the money you're looking for. And I've got a shop, I've got tools. I've always invested in that stuff. But for whatever reason, I just never met the right people that could stroke a five figure check for a weekend. Like it was nothing. And which is, which is fine. I mean, I've, I've like I said, I've been fortunate. I just never had that luck. So, I just thought this was another opportunity gone. No big deal. Rick calls me up and he goes, Hey, I want you to run a cup race. I'm like, yep. Just wrong number. You know, don't <laughs> no money. Nope. Nope. I want you to run. Here's what I got. He goes, I got nothing for this cup race coming up. And he didn't tell me what track he goes, you, you just pay for your license and we'll do it. He goes, it's going to be, it might not be pretty because we might not buy any tires. You might be running around back struggling all day, but he goes, you've been good to me. And we did some other things together. He goes, I want to do it for you. So I'm pretty excited. And I, I called my family. I said, I got to do this cup race. I got to buy a license and a cup license is a small investment. It's not little. So, you know, we, we say, we okay, what'd you have to get it? Like, I think it was like six grand oh, for the license. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like 56, 5,800 bucks. Um, you know, and then I had to get a different helmet. I've never had a helmet hose. Um, so it was like one of those things. There, there was a few little things I had to do. Uh, I had to like drink water and work out for like a month. That was new for me. <laughs> um, but I've, I've never really worked on my body as much as I work on race car bodies. But no, um, it was pretty neat. So, we, we okay, we're going racing. He says, do all your paperwork and you got to do the impact test and drug tests and physicals and, you know, even more so than the stuff I had for my other licenses. And I said, okay, you know, cool. When are you thinking? Like I thought he just feel, he goes, oh, I want to do you at Loudon. And to be honest with you, I'm like, wow, that's, that's really cool. You know, like that's really cool. But as I went through it, I realized how cool it was. Not, not just because of the track we were at, but all the people that like, literally I had people screaming my name at a cup race. If that, if I went to Chicago and race, that wouldn't happen, you know? So when you do the, it sounds silly. I think my favorite part was riding the, the back of the pickup truck ride in the lap before the race, because it's like a tradition up there, you, you know? So that was cool. And I'm, and I'm going by people screaming my name and waving. So that was neat, but yeah, it, it came together and, you know, we got some local sponsors, um, to, to come together and, and make it happen and, and buy some tires. So it wasn't the miserable weekend and uh i just wanted to make sure i didn't bang up the car for that small team and make more work for those guys and i didn't want to fall out of the seat 
was like 100 degrees that weekend. Uh, and it, it just all came together. And, like, then the coolest thing, and you guys will get this. Not everybody gets this down here. The absolute coolest thing. So we run the race. Like, literally the haulers are packed and leaving. I'm still in the pit area in my suit. Like, it was just like I didn't want it the day to end. I didn't take it off. We walked back to my motorhome in the infield in the cup driver's lot. We did all that. So it was kind of neat to have that experience too. And I sat with my suit around my waist and had beers with Bentley Warren at my motorhome. Let's go. He was, he was right next door, like just hanging out. It, like this day couldn't get any cool. Like I thought it was the coolest day before. Now I'm drinking beers with Bentley Warren. who's like the nicest guy in the world. Like, it was, it was literally the, I, I tell, use the expression like out of Willy Wonka, like people like, how was that day? I'm like, you know what happened to the guy that got everything he always wanted? He lived happily ever after. That was me. Greatest day, just, just greatest day. And uh, I haven't really pursued another cup race because of that. Like it went well. Um, again, I don't have the money to do the Daytona 500 that it would take. And I don't, I don't, you know, I finished. I actually gave them one of the best finishes they had in the year. So, like, everything was good. I, I don't want to ruin that. I don't want, you know, two starts and one DNF or anything like that. Like, I, I did it, kind of proved to myself. It was kind of neat. It wasn't begging or anything like that. I mean, I, I went cup racing. And uh, it was great. Met great people. So, that was a big – it was a big part of my life. And um, so then – so one thing, one thing I do want to ask you, um, so you're talking about how you, you know, we, we've kind of covered the whole basis here. You're doing a phenomenal job, by the way, but you know, you're talking I can talk about, racing. I, I like to talk racing. That's what we're here for, man. This is, you know, we want to have a, we want to have a beer with you at some point. But um, That being said, man, you've talked about going from go-karts at Sugar Hill all the way to the cup series at Loudon. And um, you know, you, you, you've touched on it a little bit, but, um, you know, there's probably the, the little bit of the unsung stories about you where, you know, you've, you've literally sold everything that you've had to, to just keep racing and, um, you know, kind of, kind of floating yourself through to keep, keep the dream alive. So, you know, what is it that keeps you going back to racetracks? I mean, a lot of people, you know, if, if they get in that, that tough a spot, sometimes they say, you know what, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. I've done it. I have the stories, but but you're one of the ones that you want to keep going. So what is it? You know, a lot of people like the speed, the, you know, driving side by side camaraderie, whatever it is, but what is it that brings you back to the racetrack every week? Um, you know, I just love it. Like people think I'm, I'm crazy. I'm ridiculous. I, I just love it. And I lie to myself and I tell, you know, my wife, Oh yeah, I, I, we could maybe next year will be the last one. Maybe we'll go and, you know, I'll go to soccer practice with the kids and we'll do this or that. And she's like, you're such a liar. Like you can't, um, I don't know. I, 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 I love the people. I will say like, I'm probably more excited about my new job, right? My new job is amazing. It's Richard Childress racing. It's where Dale Earnhardt raced. Like everything's great. It's amazing. The next side is it's the biggest organization I've ever been a part of. So there's a person for everything. So my workload's kind of smaller. Um, when we sat in the interview, like basically because of all the things I've experienced and kind of honed skills on, like they hired me for getting through tech at the track. Like if I have to do Bondo work, I have that experience. If I have to fabricate, if we have issues at practice. So there's less and less people on the, the that they allow at the track and the roster. So 
that's my job. So like right now I'm just doing busy work and we're working on pit boxes and pit carts. Cause there's a guy that puts the suspension on. There's a guy that puts the motor in like all that. So this job's really neat and, it, and it's amazing and all that. But at the same time, I was at my shop till nine last night and we rented it out to Jordan Anderson's truck team. And it was funny. He was there himself, Jordan Anderson driver, who's going to be an Xfinity series, the owner, he's there moving stuff in at nine at night on a Sunday night by himself. And I looked right at him. I said, man, you work, you work this late on a Sunday. He goes, yeah. I said, had I known that I probably would accept the job working for you. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I love this. Like, I, I, I don't know what it is. And uh, if it's the pressure, if it's just into it, like I do love it. Uh, the people are great. That's another big thing at Childress. And I didn't know it when I took the job, but even a weekend, I'm like, you know what? These are a good group of people that are going to have each other's back. And that's probably like the most exciting thing um, that I've about that deal. And yeah, again, it's an amazing organization and history and the capabilities and the workload's small and the money's good and all that. But the most thing I'm excited for is I've learned that these are a good group of guys. And, and that's, that's big. The people's big, you know, and then the other thing at the end of the day, racing has been good to me. And again, I never got, you know, the million dollar contract that I thought I was going to get. I probably never made the same money doing what I'm doing than if I was turning wrenches at my dad's boat shop still. But, you know, like I've built up my shop and I, and I have the capabilities. Like you could put any race car in my shop and we could run the Daytona 500 if we wanted to. I could wire it. I could weld on it. I could do the body work. We could set suspension. And that's just stuff like it's happened over time. And, you know, I'm proud of that. And racing's been good to me. But it's funny. Um, one of my favorite episodes with you guys was Mike Ordway Jr., because <laughs> I'm a huge Mike Ordway fan. I'm close with the family for many years. But Mikey, they always thought I was crazy. I'd work so late, show up, you know, whatever time I was done. And they thought I was crazy. Just I wasn't moving out of my parents' house. I was going racing. I wasn't buying a nicer truck. I was going racing and, and, and on and on. And then the day came where Mikey had to build his own car, that he didn't have the rides, you know, that – that he had at first and his dad was lucky to have and all that. And he wrecked the car. And I remember he called me from Lee and he's like, Andy, I don't know how you do it. My life savings is in that trailer ruined. <laughs> he's like, how do you, I'm like, you'll be back. He's like, I don't have the money. I go, you'll find it. <laughs> I remember like selling drum sets out of my parents' house that I hadn't seen in like six years. Cause I played drums in high school going, I need $500 for this other spindle. What isn't bolted to the floor here that I could sell going through the attic and stuff like, yup, here it is, you know, going on Craigslist and all that. And I don't know. It's, it's kind of silly, even as it's coming out of my mouth, like what's wrong with me, but I, I do thoroughly enjoy it. Um, sometimes the business side of it down here gets you down and that's a big part of it. And I make comments like I, I can't wait to go back to Star Speedway and race with my dad because I do enjoy just the bare bones authenticity of short track racing for the love of it with a good group of friends. Um, literally a half hour ago, I sold my ARCA car. So 
I'm not in the arc of business anymore. And probably the most disappointing thing about that is I won't be able to assemble my friends that come down from Maine and New Hampshire and help me out on that this, this winter. And, you know, when we go to the test and, you know, you get to work hard with your friends, then you get to go to the beach and you play hard with your friends. And it's, it's a great deal. Um, and I'll miss that, but you know, it was, it was time to move on from that and kind of focus on this job. And, but that's, that's the biggest thing. I really think, you know, racing is you show up for the cars, but you stay for the people. I like that. Yeah. We yeah. said that a lot on the show and, and we've also had a lot of people that have moved from the North to the South and they kind of all have their, the same, it seems like the same uh, sort of experience where moving from the North to the South, like you just said, uh, the business kind of sometimes can get you down. Is that really the biggest thing that you've noticed going from New Hampshire to North Carolina is like, so when you come back to New Hampshire, it's more of just like, uh, like you, you raced in the, the musket race this year. Um, and is that, is that just more like your playtime, I guess, whereas the whole business aspect is based down in North Carolina? Yeah. You know, there's so many levels to it down here too, that it's hard. Like, I don't know, on my modified, things aren't engineered and figured out for me. So we get to go play and like you get to do things wrong, right? Like you put the wrong spring in and decide, you know what, that didn't work. Let's, let's go back. And I will say like probably the funnest thing in the world. And I've said this to people, you don't know it till you look back, but the most fun you'll have in racing is when you're struggling and when you don't have enough money and you're like, I'm going to take those two bent spindles. I'm going to cut them in half and I'm going to make one different spindle out of it that I think might work. And when you go and you run fifth with that bent old spindle that you didn't have money on with your tiny trailer and your ragtag crew and you finish top five in a big race, it's amazing. Then when you get in the business of it and you have everything that the guy that wins has and somehow you didn't win and you finish fifth, that top five is not as amazing anymore. And in fact, it, it makes you mad. So I, I do think there's, there's something to that. I've always said like, I, I looking back, you know, you might be low on sleep and, and high on stress and not, not have any money. But that's the most fun I've ever had in racing is, is learning how to do each thing I did. And, you know, I definitely admired the people that packed up and moved south to go racing and thought the world of them. And, you know, when you hear, hear people got big jobs down here. And as I got down here, I realized, and I've told people this, that have called me and you know, ask their opinion or my opinion about them moving down. You don't have to be here to be a racer. In fact, like, you, you know, I still think the best super late models come out of Maine. You, you know, like, I, I mean, and not saying that because that's where you guys are sitting, but, you know, like there are some real racers there. And the other thing is I like working alongside real racers. And there's a lot of people that unfortunately just it's a paycheck now. And it's, it's too bad. I'm not putting down on the business at all or anything like that, but um, I've always tried to assemble myself around people that wanted it, that aren't doing it for the money. And, you know, when we put that Xfinity team together last year, at the beginning of the year, I think we had exactly that. And actually, as I've moved on and worked for other uh, two other teams now, realized just how good we had it with five people that, that really wanted it. Like, life was good there for a while. I think that's that's telling when you, you say that you're kind of well uh, Jordan Anderson's over at your shop because it was so cool to see that he when he finished second just how pumped he was and most people would have been gutted with a second how he got it this year at Daytona where he should have won that race 
and just circumstances happen. It's coming to the checkered flag at Daytona. He ends up finishing second. Just the elation on his face and just how he's built that whole operation up is, is something that, like, you can – you obviously see the guys, they, they come with a paycheck and they, they buy their rides and stuff like that. But you can tell that he's really earned it and worked so hard for that and just how happy someone is with finishing second where most people would be completely just they – would, they would be, you know, at a loss for words and upset with that. Um, is telling. I mean, that that's cool. Just just hearing that you, that Jordan Anderson over at your shop nine o'clock at night, moving shit in and stuff. And that's, that's on a Sunday. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he's after it. That's someone that I've I've kind of started to follow. I I went on NASCAR Reddit a couple of years ago, and just everyone loves Jordan Anderson over there. And and I've just kind of followed him on his his rise up, and just I can I can always remember that interview in my mind because not many people get out of the car after or truck after finishing second and are thrilled with it, but he was just so happy with that, and that was something that really spoke to me. Um, <clears throat> so one thing too, you you, you touched on it earlier, uh, Lyle Patterson. He obviously was a pretty significant part of your career and helping you get get to where you are today. Um, so going on a more personal note here, you, you actually named your son Lyle, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so my, my son's name is Lyle David Sice and after Lyle Patterson, but also David Riggs and David Riggs Jr. Um, so Jeff Riggs was David Jeffrey Riggs. Uh, and again, just can't say enough about him. Like just really good people. Um, now, now, rumor mill has it that uh, he's going to be your next uh, up-and-coming crew chief. Is that right? Is he the tank? Probably. Player? Probably. Yeah. He, he uh, definitely tells me when I'm doing things wrong. <laughs> um, pretty, pretty good about that. Definitely doesn't let me change my mind on things. For four years old, he's like, nope, this is what you said you were going to do, and you didn't do it. <laughs> so he called um, you in your bullshit at four years old. Yes, and then my two-year-old will probably be the race car driver, my two-year-old girl. And if anybody gets in her way, watch out, because she is nicknamed Honey Badger in our house. Like, oh, that's you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it gets interesting at times. She beats up her older brother at times. Uh, so it, it, it'll, be, uh, it'll be tough. He'll be the one just probably tinkering on like a laptop being a race engineer and she'll just be taking care of things on the track and off. <laughs> so you, you spoke quickly about how you won the, the race at Nashville. Was that the most significant win in your career or are there others that stick out? That probably was, yeah, that was probably like the turning point, you know, as far as, uh, you know, bigger after that. But if, if that race didn't happen, I don't know that I'd be talking to you guys today, you know, that was really tough. I was, I, there was a few spots in my life where I didn't have a ride and I, I didn't have things. And that was one we were, we were, you know, cutting back. We had talked to the crew guys like, Hey, if you want to be racing every weekend, like we can't really afford it. So now's the time to, if you want to go on a different team, you know, here's your out, no hard feelings, totally understand. And actually everybody at the time said, no, 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 you know, we can figure out how to make racing cheaper. And my mom always cooks way too much food at the racetrack. Cause she's 137% Italian, but <laughs> she, uh, like everybody was like, we'll pay for food and you know, we don't need all these big spreads and, and different things. So that was, that was pretty cool. But yeah, that race was probably the, the thing that kept 
kept life going. Like I said, at that point, uh, my brother owned the car off a home equity loan that we took a couple years to pay him back. Um, we got a really good picture. We finished second at Seekonk at a 10,000 win race. Never won uh, with him there, but we like did the official car owner driver pose, uh, shaking hands. And, you know, we didn't win. We finished second, but we just wanted to make that picture while we were there. And um, he's somebody that's honestly, he's not a race fan. He's not the world's biggest racer or everything. So, I mean, when we were standing, standing around the boat shop going on, you know, this is over. How do we do this? And he offers up this checkbook he has for the home equity loan. And uh, so that was, that was pretty big. And then he's kind of always picked on me. When are you going to grow up? When are you going to a real job? Because we work together at the boat shop and he's more or less running it now and, and does a good job up there. And probably one of the coolest things was he came to the 2014 championship banquet and NASCAR does a really good job with, with the touring series stuff. And they really make you feel larger than life. And uh, he actually looked at me during one of the dinners. He's like, wow, this is a big deal. And for me, it was like, I took a non-believer and made him like believe like, yeah, I'm not throwing my life away. Like this might turn into something. Anything else, brother? Yeah, uh, I mean, well, did you not have anything else from the Wyatt notes? I mean, a little bit, yeah. Uh, so Wyatt Alexander, we had him on the show a couple weeks ago. We had to, again, like the first part of the show was great because uh, like people are going to be learning a lot about you that may, may not know all this stuff about you. In the first part of the show, we were taking that time to learn. Um, so, But before the show, again, neither of us really knowing all that much about you had reached out to Wyatt Alexander and, and asked him for a couple notes. And, and that's where the uh, winning the Lone Ever Tour Mod race at, at Nashville, um, Lyle, the crew chief could be. There's a whole bunch of notes that he sent us that, uh, that we're going through at this and point. Apparently, one thing he uh, told us to ask you, too, is your, your love, apparently, for Bowman Gray Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so tell us about that a little bit. Why, why do you, why is that not on your top three favorite places to go? Oh, favorite place to go. Yes. Saturday, like five o'clock, nothing else to do. Go sit in the stands and scream my head off as a fan. Sure. It's a great why? place to go. Why? Um, <laughs> it's hard to get excited about the racing there. And I tell people all the time, like I, I enjoy practicing there as weird as that may be as a racer. Like, I enjoy the challenge of seeing how fast I can get my car. I enjoy qualifying there. Every night they do time trials. They do one lap. You don't even get a throwaway lap. So it's like, you know, pull the belts tight and send her on in there and hopefully you come out the other side. And I enjoy that. And then I could go home. I wouldn't even have to race <laughs> because you work all day and you get your car fast. And they're like, hey, by the way, we're going to do a complete redraw. So you're going to start 24th. Like, oh, sweet. Even though the guy that you qualified next to you might draw the pole. <laughs> so I tried it for a few different weeks with, with, with different teams. And it's just something, um, you know, I found myself in fights uh, <laughs> that I wasn't really, like, planning on being in in different things. And Are you typically a fighter or no? <sighs> I'm not good at turning away. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem was like one of them was like with with alfred hill he was like 70 years old i'm like bud i don't get out of my pit area i don't want to fight you <laughs> like do you think we ended up 
I guess I hit him because I got hit from behind. Just want to like That's you did. block the whole track. Yeah. I'm like, so he's screaming at me. I'm like, do you think this is where I wanted to be right now? Like wedged under your race car? No, I didn't. I planned on my night going differently. <laughs> I don't want to fight you. This is not how I planned my night going. But um, I would love to win there. I would love to win and stand in front of 10,000 people screaming, whether they were, they hate me or love me or whatever. I would love to do it, but I don't know that I will ever make the investment in time wise to go do it. Because again, you could qualify in the poll and you could start 20th. So it's like, you have to do that whole season and hope one day the redraw goes well for you and make the most of it. At the time we were, we were running tour races. So you'd see a lot of people kind of make enemies at Bowman Gray and then it would kind of hurt you on the tour because they'd retaliate there. So I kind of decided to step back from it there, but I would like the atmosphere is amazing. And just like I said, like every Saturday at Rockingham boat was, are you going to star speedway? Bowman Gray's got that same feel. I mean, there's so many people going, everybody, you know, is going there. I'm glad Bowman Gray exists. I just wish it was Star Speedway in the middle of that grandstands. But I, I don't know that the fans would actually like side-by-side racing. Like, they just actually want to see, like, WWF on wheels. Well, I was going to say that the way – I so I, I've only been to the parking lot. I've been there on, like, a day off, like a Tuesday, Wednesday. I went just because I was in the area. I wanted to see the place. I went to the parking lot. I saw the facility. Weird little place. I don't understand how they even get race cars in the, the area at all. Um, but it's been described to me as definitely like the WWE of motorsports. So it, it sounds like you've had a pretty similar experience. Yeah. Uh, I think my bet, my best finish there is third in a tour race, 200 lapper. Um, I just, I, I like racing. I don't like hitting people. I'm not in, like, I, I'm, <laughs> I will say like, I, you'll rarely see me even bump into somebody to bump into somebody. Like I just really like equipment. I, I don't like working on it a lot and I hate making other work for people. And that place just requires a lot of work every week for, you know, so I get it. If you grew up in Winston-Salem, I get it. Like if you went to that track every Saturday, those were your heroes and you want to stand it. They do a great job. Uh, it, it's amazing, but flat, tight racetracks, just not my thing. And then the, I'll go ahead and throw some stones Uh to be good at the weekly racing there. I'm not enough of a chemist. I've never dabbled in that kind of speed. So right now, uh, I mean, they know who they are and they know what I'm (laughs) talking. And then you got other people like Chad Freeman, our, our lawyer who owns a race car. Like he brags about his tire soak, like, cause it's just so well known down there. But I just, I, again, I'm not going to do the investment that it would take to win down there. Uh, so it is what it is. We can move on. I don't want to talk about Bowman Gray anymore. <laughs> so, so you said you're getting out of the ARCA business. Are you going to get? Are you going to be running a little bit more modified stuff? Are you going to just focus on this job that you currently have at RCR? I'm, I'm going to focus on the job at RCR. Um, they've been pretty supportive. We've circled Martinsville, Richmond, and Loudon to go and race which uh, it's kind of funny guys in the shop have already asked me, like we could tow your modified up, you know, in the stacker, we could use our pit box and all that. And That'd be cool. huh? It works pretty good with the schedule because like <laughs> Saturday at Loudon, 
there's nothing for the cup series the way that they're going on. So it, it could work. I mean, I'm not much of a stacker kind of guy, you, you know, like, I, I mean, we've got our 1993 Chevy Kodiak we tow with and we got an enclosed trailer. So that that's enough. But like but my if, idea is like showing up on a ramp truck. If Richard Childress is telling you or anybody else is telling you, Hey, I got a stack of trailer use all our stuff. I know damn well, and I've never even met you in person, really. I know damn well that if he's like, hey, just take it, you're going to take it. I'm, anybody else you, is going to do it. Yeah, you, you're going to have to ask around if you really think that opinion of me. Yeah. I am far weirder than most people, and I would be like, what's that ramp truck doing in the back? Do you think we could show up in that? Is it going to tire rack on the front? <laughs> Let's do that. But I, I uh, actually threw – running the hour motorsports deal i always i always wanted a ramp truck to when we brought the the car to the body shop and um you know with no practice we went to the chassis dyno every week just to shake the car down and the guys always wanted to put it in my enclosed trailer and i was like oh use use my open trailer use my open trailer it's only 15 minutes down the road and i'm that guy like i wanted a ramp truck i wanted a ramp truck in the worst way and the funny thing was so i sold the arca car and a few people asked, they're like, are you going you gonna to get the ramp truck now? And I'm like, I don't have anything to put on the ramp truck. <laughs> <laughs> like, the whole point was to drive, like, an Xfinity car down the street to the chassis dyno. And I'm like, so I might buy a ramp truck just to drive it around with no car on it for a while. I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm sitting right now talking to you in a 1985 pickup. It's my daily driver. I like just things that are weird and different. <laughs> And you won't find many people that know me that will argue that. Nothing wrong with that, man, at all. I respect the hell out of that. So, uh, you know, it sounds like you got a good gig at RCR there. You, you're having a good time. You, you know, you, I, I didn't even realize it till today, really. We're, you're not that much older than me, but I remember being younger and watching you. And, uh, you know, you were always one of the guys. So uh, it's, it's been super cool just having you having you on the, the show here and, you know, giving us your, the inside scoop of who Andy Sice is. So I, I really appreciate all, all that you've done and what you're doing here today with us. Yeah, thank you. And I, I enjoy listening to you guys. And like I said, I'll, I'll go on and talk about racing forever. Yes. I, I do just I, – I mean, I love it. And people don't understand how much I do, you know. But I don't do anything else work on race cars dream about race cars build races my wife tries to get me to do projects around the house i'm not very good at staying on task with those but uh we had a hole in the floor for a long time where i was supposed to build some stairs but they're they're like you can't fall through them now they're pretty safe now so getting there safe enough right yeah exactly like i mean i don't think the kids legs would fall through them they could probably get down there Oh, shit. Do you have anything else, Bradley? No, I think I think that's it. I think we've covered it, man. Yeah. Like, it, this has been this has been incredible. We, I really appreciate it. So, uh, uh, anybody that doesn't know the full Andy Size story or wants to follow you on the socials, how do they get a hold of you, man? Are you just ah uh, just just my name everywhere? Just, Andy Size and the ease the ease before the U. And some people probably never even seen my name or like where is there an E and a U in that guy's name? But. Uh, <laughs> That's a lot of people like don't get a hold of me because of that and emails get lost, but you guys got it right. So no, we didn't, we didn't fuck it up. So it worked. Yeah. Fuck up. Yeah. So oh, that's bad, saying something. Bad, bad, we, bad. we both have the coronavirus currently. So we're, we both like, we have a little, little, little nasally. 
I think that drinking okay. kiwis are very, very. Uh, can you taste them, or is that gone? Yeah, no, we I, can. I honestly, I mean, like, somebody might argue that you've already lost your taste because you're drinking trulies, but I yeah. mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the, true. The, the truly gang likes the party apparently, so we we gotta hop on board with that. Uh, I haven't crossed that bridge yet. I'm, I'm not. I don't even know that I've tried one. Honestly, if if anybody if anybody uh, has been turned into a believer that shouldn't have been, it was me. I I, okay. I never have I ever seltered really before the the, the Mamba Smith deal. And uh, you know when you're talking to the Truly guy, you got to have some Trulys on the show, and that that turned me. That flipped the switch. Okay. So these these don't suck. You don't feel bloated. You don't feel fat. You don't feel full. You only have to have, like, half as many. Well, that'd be, like, the first time in my life, so I might have to try something like it's that. It's time, man, for sure. They're, okay. they're just a little change of pace. They don't taste like dog shit like most beer does. And uh, you're not – it's not like you're picking the uh, the lesser of uh, the evils with beer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Like, I, I, drank, I drank these on Tuesday night, and usually you wake up with a hangover. No, I just woke up with the coronavirus. So, uh, <laughs> I, no, you don't get as, as hungover as you usually do with beer. So, I mean, there's a couple flavors that maybe we'll, we'll keep on the shelf. But, you know, blueberry acai and, and mixed berry, black cherry. We'll, we'll keep all of those ones around for yeah. sure. So, you guys, like, just got to quarantine with each other for two weeks then and, and do all that? Yeah, like, so we, we – this all started – uh, last weekish, uh, we, we kind of found out that a collection of people that were in a certain area uh, got got it, and uh, we were just kind of on the safe side. And Bradley has it. I apparently have it as of today, and we've already been inside since fucking Thursday or Wednesday or whatever it was. And yeah, I'm already uh, going fucking insane. So it's it's pretty cool for sure. Yeah. Uh, I feel fine, honestly. He also got his test at noon today. Yeah, I also feel fine. So what? What? Act, so Wednesday, I woke up with a fever, um, and I had gotten a little boozed up the night before. I was like, oh, I'm just hungover. Throughout the day, fever never went away. Went was like, oh, I should just get tested. So I got tested on Thursday. So we recorded our episode 97 on Saturday, and at that time, Charlie wasn't confirmed that he had coronavirus, but everyone around him at said facility had gotten the coronavirus. So then luckily today he tested positive. So now we're not on three screens. We're just on two. We can sit next to each other and cough and sneeze on each other as much yeah. as we want. It doesn't really yeah. matter. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, well, it's fun. basically word, word of advice for anybody listening. Uh, we feel fine. COVID <laughs> is, is a, allegedly whatever it is, what it is. Uh, basically you can't test positive if you don't get tested. That's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got one test so far. And other than that, they, check our temperatures and you know wear masks all day and and stuff at work so it's uh they're doing what they can to keep racing going yeah which i will say it's like with with childress it's like well you don't want to get a bunch of people sick and then when i was small teams like well if we get sick like our team can't race so you know you kind of got to do what you do and wear the mask and stay apart and meetings on on you know zoom and different things and i'm I'm hoping we're on the tail end of it, honestly. Uh, just just get this shit over with, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to be out in public here, hopefully this weekend. And uh, apparently it's, it's only 10 days now, not 14. So when we started Wednesday or Thursday, then we should be fine. So uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I did the math. You're good. Yeah. I'd send it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, speaking of sending it, man, uh, anything else? I think we're going to send it on this one, man. We appreciate it uh it's been it's been cool to talk to you like i said you were always one of the guys to watch when i was little and 
apparently you're not even that much older than me. So you couldn't have been uh, that big yourself. So uh, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for being a, a black flag pal since apparently very soon, soon off since you, you know, about the Ordway episode. And uh, oh, that's classic. That's like <laughs> Mikey talking about the Patriots was great. Oh, it's fantastic. that was, yeah. that was, even though it's a racing show, like him talking about the Patriots, Mike is Ordway, still in my brain. Ordway just doesn't do sports. He doesn't know how to sports ball or sports puck. Uh, basically, it's no. just racing and uh, hunting, I guess. Yeah. He, I mean, it makes sense that he ended up in Maine. Like, he, he actually was more Maine living in Fremont, New Hampshire, than you guys. Like, he's got the <laughs> accent. He's, he's there. So, he's made for the woods up there. For sure, man. So, uh, we, we wish you all the best. Uh, we're actually going to be down in North Carolina here in a couple weeks. So maybe we'll, uh, we'll get to touch base with you there, but again, thank you. And, uh, you know, this is, this has been cool. This has been episode 98. Yeah. Hit me up. We'll have some trulies. For sure. Perfect. All right. Thanks guys. Race car, race car. Here we go. Race car. <laughs> <laughs>